Hey, what's going on, guys? How's it going? What up, Carter? Oh, I see we just got Ben here, too. Perfect. Let's go. What up, Ben? What up, Carter? What up, Ben? How you been, dude? Uh, not much. Monday morning, back in the office already. <laughs> Another busy weekend, but uh, ready to go. Let's go. And we got the time right this time. <laughs> I didn't want to say it, but I wanted to say, yo, super. I just wanted to say props on uh, the schedule for this episode. <laughs> We're leveling up, Ben. It's, it's the minor victories that count. A hundred percent. Super happy to have you back on. So what are we, what are we going to talk about today? What's going on? Yeah, to be honest, guys, I've been seeing a lot of tweets just about people not knowing like what Woo is all about um, today, at least in my feed. Yeah, we're kind of crossing into a territory where people are starting to get annoyed, like if they're not in Woo. So we're kind of monitoring that situation to see how we can, you know, improve like the the quality of the the I guess we'll call it shilling for lack of a better word, uh, you know, and to make us more attractive to outsiders. But yeah, we're definitely seeing a lot of, of stuff and that's really exciting. It's a good sign. And I think that, you know, uh, having a contagious community will, you know, be a benefit to the project as a whole. Yeah. It's something that I've noticed as well. When Wu started off, it was a lot of pure, like really pure DeFi guys. And then once Link Marines got involved, it just cut so many communities and it's been going Actually, like kind of crypto viral. I'm pretty sure on Lunar Crush, Woo Trade is number one right now out of all the crypto projects there are. So I think that this is really the selling point in terms of Woo Trade and how things will be perceived going forward. But I, I definitely agree with you as far as like the quality of shilling. That's why I try to put out longer form content as much as possible. So it's not just like just pure like pure Woo shills 24/7 something like that too. But yeah, I think it'll be great now to kind of touch base on what Woo is and provide more context on the protocol as a whole and to educate some of the listeners in here who may not have the best understanding of Woo. So I think that'd be a good place to start if you want to kind of kick things off, Ben. Yeah, I mean, we definitely had the, like you said, the, the, the DeFi crowd at the beginning, but we also had a lot of traditional finance people who were attracted to like the idea of, uh, you know, like a dark pool and zero fee trading. And then the Link Marines just showed up and just completely blew up the community with all their memes and energy, which is great. Um, <laughs> but it's a completely different, you know, energy from the one that we had before. Uh, and you know, that's a good thing. The diversity is really, you know, building and we're, we're becoming a more mature uh, project. So, um, yeah, what was the, 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 the question again? I mean, like, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so basically maybe you about what Woo is and then how so how Woo benefits crypto as a whole. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm seeing a lot of stuff like, oh, we're like this, this exchange that sells your order flow to, uh, to the big players. I think that was one of the tweets that I responded to this morning. And, you know, that's, that's just like one really small aspect of Woo Trade as a whole, not, not the selling the order flow. We'll get to that later, but um, the, the exchange part, right? I mean, like, cause we started as in 2019, it was like this B2B exchange and the token wasn't even part of it. Uh, and what we do is like connect to any sort of trading platform or, or anything like a wallet that has trading features uh, and just provide liquidity there, right? And then the, the idea is it's zero fees um, if, if you stake the Woo tokens or you pay a fee, uh, which actually a lot of exchanges 
are actually doing, um, which is surprising, um, but a good thing because that just becomes more revenue, which we end up burning anyway. Um, so yeah, I mean, we're at the, the B2B liquidity network. We started bridging into DeFi because every DeFi protocol, uh, all these layer twos, they desperately need liquidity. And that was something we didn't really see coming in 2019. Um, but the, well, obviously the DeFi summer 2020 and then all these layer twos, that's just been like this new market that's available. And we think that's going to be one of the biggest markets going forward. And then on top of that, um, yeah, I mean, we've also got WEX, which is an exchange and it's folks for active traders. Same thing with the zero fee model. Uh, everything is very customizable so that a trader can set it up to the way they want. Uh, and then we're going to have a bunch of investment options to, you know, because we're really good at creating yield and we can get into that later. Um, sustainable yield. And so we're going to find ways to give that back to people. Um, so that part's pretty exciting. So it's much more than just an exchange. And I think when people dig deeper and they see that, then then it's something that keeps people around. Right. Like we're not just competing with Binance and FTX. Uh, we want to work with Binance and FTX. Um, so. So, yeah, I think that's the the, the roundup. Yeah, I think um, yeah. That, that pretty much provides a lot of context, too, because when I hear people try to distill Wu very simply, one thing I've found is that they tend to just say, like, Wu is an exchange or Wu simply connects exchanges. And while it does that, it's really just, as you alluded to earlier, a piece of the whole. So, yes, Wu can connect centralized exchanges, like, for example, Binance and FTX. But it, what makes it unique is that it does so regardless of where the source is from. So you could essentially have... FTX connected to WUX at the same time WUX could be connected to a Polygon chain and Binance Smart Chain and BSE and ETH all at once and it's source liquidity across chains. So to me, one of the main value propositions is that WUTrade is chain agnostic and that it doesn't necessarily matter which source is coming from because it can aggregate across all of those sources as well. And then another thing that I don't think is talked about pretty much ever, I don't think I've seen anyone really talk about it is how capital efficient the pools are. So if you look at Wu on BSC and all the different Binance pools, relative to other top you know, Binance pools, I don't want to name names, you can notice that it's a lot more capital efficient and that if you're using Wu pools, you'll have better results in terms of exchanging assets or trying to get yield versus competitors. And I think that's pretty unique too. And it's been that way even when Wu was you know, like, I don't even know, like, what, 50 cents before, before it even really broke out, whenever they launched them originally. And from the very beginning, they've been very, very efficient pools. And that also says a lot because you can expect that at scale, this efficiency would just increase and you would have better results using these products that Wu offers. And that's that's something that I do take notice of and that um, I think is undermentioned in the community. Yeah, I don't know if you saw Hayden's tweet this weekend about his V3 pools on Uniswap. Hayden uh, Adams, the, the founder of Uniswap. Uh, but he was bragging about the capital efficiency there. And to be fair, the V3 pools are much more efficient than the V2 pools. But um, yeah, I mean, what we're doing with the, the WuFi pools, where we basically just bring the capital on chain. And then we, when, when traders trade with the pool, we then hedge back onto the CFI network. Um, and that allows us to like constantly rebalance the pools. And yeah, I mean, we, we turn it, I forget what it is, but it's something like 10 times, I think per day or so. I don't know. I have to look at the numbers. I don't want to say it, but it's way more than anything else where, you know, DeFi is all about just getting these huge TVL numbers and then the, the capital just sits there. Um, and then, you know, they get a small portion of that in trading volume. 
each day. But yeah, that's that's another angle that I didn't mention the the, the Wufi pools, um, and that's all a way of capturing flow, right? Because that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to capture flow from other exchanges. We're trying to capture flow from Wex, and we're trying to capture flow on DeFi. And the DeFi flow tends to be more taker, um, where if somebody like trades on the pool, then we put that exact trade back onto our CFI network, um, which is a little bit different from what we do in CFI, um, where it's both sides, obviously we're making and taking. Um, so, so yeah, that's, that's a little bit off the, off the question there, but, um, just some context if anyone's curious. So like bringing it back to just kind of like a simplistic view for people who may not have like a lot of context for woo, like a lot of times, you know, when we talk about chain link and we break it down, like simplistically, we just talk about how, you know, like, you know, it's the data pipeline, right? It's, it's where mm -hmm. data flows through the pipeline. So like with Woo, is it like kind of fair to assume like from an infrastructure standpoint, it's the liquidity pipeline of like the whole entire space? Yeah. I, yeah. In many ways, that would just be the idea. I, a lot of people don't really understand like the concept of liquidity and how important it is either. But I mean, that is one way that we kind of explain it. Um, you know, and, and there's a lot that goes into that as well. I mean, you mentioned Chainlink, um, you know, we're working with them constantly to try to find ways to uh, make this data and this liquidity more transparent um, and to make it available, obviously, in the DeFi space for, for other people to use, right? Because when we have this liquidity, it's a huge, you know, opportunity for like smart contracts to to get like reliable data that can't be manipulated. Because if you wanted to manipulate the price on you know, one exchange, that would be quite easy to do if you have a lot of money. Um, if you wanted to manipulate on WooTrade, you'd have to go to all the different exchanges we aggregate from, um, as well as our private market makers, Cronus Research, um, which would be pretty close to impossible to do, uh, which makes us particularly robust in the Oracle space. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's very few things that liquidity doesn't creep into just because it's essential to like DeFi um, and every CeFi trading platform. So, um, yeah, there's, there's a whole wide opportunity, um, in this market and we're just, you know, we're, we're hedging our way into it on different things. We're, we're exploring the DeFi side, uh, we're exploring the CFI side, um, you know, and that, that gives us a good way to be flexible, which I think a lot of projects don't have in this space. Yeah, I think so too. There's an, and I think an overabundance of aggregators right now that all effectively do the same thing or a lot of overlapping things. So you have this kind of phenomenon where you have these protocols that'll sprout and they'll gain large TVL, say 500 million or a billion dollars. But it's kind of like, it goes back to the meme of like productive assets, right? You have tons of money that's sitting there and yes, people are earning yield, but I think it's, it's gonna be interesting to see how, how that metric performs, let's say in a bear market, because a lot of it is really just um, self-fulfilling. So someone puts a yield, I mean, puts um, their assets up into a protocol pool, they're getting yield, they're using that money to buy another protocol, invest in that pool, getting yield, and everything is interconnected. So once you have things start to unravel, you basically have a massive drop in liquidity. And that's why you've seen Uniswap volumes is kind of decimated. And really all, all DeFi volumes taken a huge hit in the past month or so because there hasn't been the same level of engagement in terms of yields because yields have compressed. But where Wu is different is because you can still have the chance to get yield. And the reason that yields would be more predictable and more consistent is because, like Ben said earlier, they're going to be hedging on 
against those pools on CFI exchanges. So it's a lot easier to manage a trading strategy and to hedge as a market maker than it is to say, you know, put money in a pool when you're having 5,000% APY, then all of a sudden there's a run on the pool's liquidity and APYs drop dramatically and you have, you know, very like, unstable results and all in that respect. So I do think it's important to kind of keep an eye on on how Wu plays into the whole DeFi thesis because it really is more than just something that's another yield farming pool or some other kind of meme that pops up and comes and goes because I'd much rather, actually I would, I would bet like any amount that the yields on a Wu pool would remain more consistent than equal TVO on a comparable pool over a six to 12 month period because it's just a lot more manageable and you have parties involved that are incentivized to keep things stable rather than optimizing for high yields for DGENs to make, you know, 10,000 extra money. Yeah. Carter, you brought up a good point. And I, it's like the difference between like passive yield and active yield, or sorry, passive liquidity providing and active liquidity providing. What we mostly see in DeFi is the passive variety where people just throw it on there and hope that people are there. But three is more active where you have to set certain parameters to, to you know, to uh, well to set that exchange and that's something that we also do on the Wufi pools. So what we're what we're expecting is that the supply of liquidity in DeFi is going to keep increasing because protocols like Aave are like very attractive. Moving into the space, there's going to be a lot of capital coming in, but it won't be very focused. So we'll be looking for more active liquidity provision platforms that can generate hey ben i, I think we're i think we're losing you a little bit i'm not sure if it's just on my end or if he's cutting out for everyone else i'm hearing that as well oh that's not good um let me try cutting away. <clears throat> you can uh try leaving and joining back if you want i hope how's that can you guys yeah, yeah, that's a lot better. You sound great. Okay, let's fix out of this. Hey Ben, you there? Hey, if he uh, if he connected to Wi Fi, it may have like reset his connection, so he may have to oh, yeah, possibly. Yeah, it looks, yeah, he went back yeah. down as a listener. Yeah, yeah so you can just get him back up. So, um, Cardi, you, you kind of touched on this point. So, will Wu kind of like is it a like safety hazard for like the Wu protocol to integrate to kind of like um, these higher risk yield farm pools? Um, does, does that make um, so, sense? You know, like if there's like a run on like the pool itself, and there's like no more liquidity. So the, one of the things about Wu is that it'll be connected to numerous chains, but that does, also doesn't mean that every single pool that's live on every chain and every farm would be connected to Wu Trade because it just wouldn't make sense, you know, like kind of logically. And um, also another thing that's interesting as well is what Ben was touching on. Um, I don't want to like you know completely finish his thought. But he was touching on like active versus passive management and how when you have larger players come into the space, one of the things that they'll be looking for are yields that are relatively predictable. 
So if I know that there is, let's say, a fund, because I do believe there will be funds that specialize strictly in yield farming strategies. So if you have a fund that are active managers and they're making consistently, let's say, 70% every single year, like year over year. Now, you'd be more likely to see these kind of funds gain adoption and do this kind of strategy on UX as well, which will naturally be integrated into ETH because there's just a level of stability. Whereas if you have a fund and all people are doing is just kind of investing in food coins that are going 10x, 20x, 1,000x, it's just kind of crumbly. It's not, it doesn't have any kind of moat because people are solely investing in a lot of these smaller pools strictly because of the APY. So when larger players come into the space and they're investing and they're putting their money at stake or their woo and they're putting it in woo pools, they can generally expect that for one, that the yields are gonna remain consistent, two, they're gonna be liquid and they're capital efficient, and three, they're all gonna be interoperable with the entire woo trade ecosystem. And I think that that point is pretty compelling on its own because when you're looking out and taking a longer term perspective, just naturally, you would expect that all these kind of meme hype dog coins won't exist two years from now, or at least not at the same level. Of course, Dogecoin will because Dogecoin is very lindy and it's been around for a decade, not a decade, sorry, been around for about six years now or so. But for most of these other protocols, it doesn't really make sense for them to have these kind of yields. So focusing on sustainable active management and also being a first mover in DeFi is what Wu Trade is essentially doing. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I'm back, guys. I don't know if you can hear me better. I'm on 4G now. Oh, loud, loud and clear. It's perfect. Okay. I, I should give some context. I'm in this like glass box in my in the in the Wu Trade office um, because we have these like private rooms, so people can't hear you. So I came in here because I didn't want people to get all the, you know, the alpha leaking into the base space. Um, but um, yeah. So maybe that that was messing with the Wi-Fi signal a bit. Anyway, um, I'll jump back onto Carter's point there. Like we're we're very attractive to institutions. And a lot of that has to do with, um, you know, our founders are all from traditional finance. And like Mark, most people don't know about Mark. He's, he's more of a private type of guy. Um, but he's the one who handles all the trading for like Kronos, the electronic trading for Kronos and WooTrade. And he has a really strong network through, well, obviously, from decades of working in traditional finance. So we're constantly getting on calls with like funds and, um, you know, more institutional players. And... You know, they're very interested in this space and learning what they can do within their risk tolerance levels. And yeah, I mean, it's definitely everybody is trying to get into this space. Like that's from what we've seen. You know, everybody is interested in how they can get in now. It's become very normalized to be in the digital asset space. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's kind of cool that we're positioned here because the institutions like us um, and, and retail likes us. So we, we've got a, um, a very diverse community at the moment. And uh, Ben, you had actually, y'all had touched on this previously and Carter, I think you had touched on this a little bit as well, but just from like a higher level perspective for people, for people who may not be as like, as knowledgeable about DeFi, can you guys kind of touch from just like a conceptual perspective, how uh, like demand for liquidity and supply affects the APY pools themselves and like how that relationship <laughs> works from like a conceptual perspective yeah i could hit on that i mean it's all very um what a lot of people are doing now like there's two ways to make two main ways to make yield um and one of them is by minting tokens which is not a very good way um, but a lot of protocols do that 
Um, and then the other way is through either a combination of like transaction fees, like Uniswap does, or yield aggregation, like Yearn Finance does. And what all Yearn Finance does is it puts the, the assets into the most efficient uh, other protocol. And then it tends to um, farm the tokens on that protocol in the background and then sell them, right? Which isn't the most popular thing. Like we've seen Curve Finance getting upset at some other protocols because basically it's just claiming they have huge APYs, putting all the funds into Curve and then selling the, the Curve tokens, um, you know, instantly, which, which isn't very productive. But that's what a lot of them are doing, especially if you look at BSC, like PancakeSwap, um, I mean, Wu's on there now, but a lot of those yield aggregators on BSC are doing the same thing, right? They're just uh, putting funds into PancakeSwap um, and then selling the cake, right? And so that's kind of how they do it. And we're trying to do it, I guess, in a more efficient way that doesn't just mint tokens or, or I guess, kind of strip mine these other protocols. Um, and yeah, just basically through trading strategies um, and being more efficient than everybody else because, uh, well, we don't, all the capital we're using in the Wufi pools is proprietary. It's our own capital. And we get the fees very, very low because of that. Um, but then if somebody were to, you know, also put uh, capital into this pool, which we're thinking of doing in the future, because we're able to update our prices more frequently, we're able to bring the spreads down a lot. Any sort of aggregator like 1inch or 0x, you know, they're going to send their flow to the most efficient, the, the best price, basically. Uh, which tends to be us. That's what we've seen on BSC. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the focus there. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm not giving very organized answers, I think. Uh, but, um, it's yeah, it's kind of hard to do that with WooTrade because yeah, um, there are just so many angles. Basically, you just win twice. Wait, what? <laughs> um, so what I was thinking as far as like what Ben said, I think that makes a good point too. And also with the relationship between APYs and then also the size of pools, typically, but not always, the smaller the pool, the higher the APY. So obviously if a pool has you know $2,000 in it, it'll have a much higher APY than something that has $2 million in it. And that's fine. And APYs are going to be extremely high for this cycle. But if you're thinking, okay, what will crypto look like and say eight years from now, I don't think that betting on something that's going to just be providing the highest APYs is like a primary strategy makes the most sense, especially as sophisticated players come in because they're not going to be seeking, you know, 100% plus APYs across all these different protocols, particularly if they're unaudited. But um, when it comes to Wu, something that is interesting to me that I like a lot, especially as someone that runs a quantitative firm is how they have social trading that's going to be coming at some point this year and next year. And essentially, if you have Wu tokens and you stake them, you get to participate and then, of course, collect profits if a strategy outperforms. So if you're thinking of something along the lines of Stacked Invest, where you just sign up for a bot, pay $100 a month, and then you get a percentage of whatever the profits that it makes. If you're using Wu Trade and you're having your Wu tokens already staked passively, now you can delegate those tokens to a top firm, like say Kronos. Now, when I was looking up the other day, I saw that Kronos' flagship fund, I think it was a couple years ago, it did like 60% on the year in the bear market, which of course is huge by any normal terms. In crypto, that's like you know two days, <laughs> but in normal terms, 60% is relatively massive. 
So imagine it's a bear market or some kind of sideways market. You're delegating your woo tokens to a protocol or strategy that is outperforming. You can essentially make passive income in addition to other ways of earning yield with woo. And that's pretty exciting to me because if you have extreme liquidity, liquidity begets liquidity. So other sophisticated traders are going to come on board and be running lots of algorithms because the order books are so deep and you're going to have a lot of places to delegate your tokens to. And it also creates a leaderboard style competition where everyone wants to be at the top and of course have the most woo tokens stake to their strategies, which gets them yield. And I just find that pretty um, compelling. Yeah, it's going to be very hard for yield aggregators to function in a bear market if the tokens aren't holding value, because that's like a primary you know, function of the yield that, that they, they return. So there's that. And then there's also the fact that supply, the supply of yield, uh, liquidity is going to increase a lot as more traditional players come in. If a bank or like a huge firm was to invest, you know, billions of dollars of liquidity into these DeFi protocols, then the APYs, like this, what Carter mentioned about as the liquidity goes up, the yields go down. Uh, that's going to destroy a lot of the, the really high APYs that us in the crypto space have come to um, take for granted over the last year and a half. So I think, um, yeah, the, these are going to be two changes that are affecting uh, what we're seeing in DeFi. Um, and so they're going to need things like uh, the, the active liquidity provision strategies that, that Carter was talking about. Yeah, that's uh, that's extremely interesting. Uh, like, in addition, I know you guys do the uh, is, is there a revenue burn? It's like 50 percent. Um, could you guys can you kind of touch on the different revenue sources uh, that Wu actually has? Sure. I mean, some of that comes from the, the, the B2B side, like when an exchange is plugged into Wu Trade's liquidity, um, they pay fees. We talked about that earlier. So that's like a main source. Um, and then another source comes from the fact that we are traders. So when um, when this flow is available to us, then it's trading on other exchanges. And then there's uh, rebates coming back from those exchanges because they want maker orders, right? Um, so I, I should probably explain this for people who aren't very familiar with these terms. Um, you know, at an exchange, you need people who are making the market, which is placing orders into the order book and waiting for other people to to take them right um so that's when you go onto an exchange like binance you love it because there's really deep order books right and that's because there's a lot of people who are market making um, on binance um, so binance doesn't really have a liquidity problem like other exchanges like a tier two you go on there and it can be really hard to find uh, an order at a price that reflects the, the market price so um, what they do is to get more market makers they will actually give them rebates on market making uh you know, pe people who go on there and place very high volume uh, maker orders. So this is something that then becomes a source of revenue for for big market makers like Cronus Research. Um, and then it's just a simple profit share where they come back and basically they pay a fee. Um, Cronus Research on the WooTrade flow will pay a fee on that. So that's kind of the whole idea. And this is something that gets brought up a lot. There's a whole lot of like the people who are thinking, oh, like payment for order flow, they're just front running us. But that's not a very viable strategy long term, because for one, unlike things like Robinhood and Citadel, where there's like no order book on WooTrade, there's like it's a lit order book. You can actually see uh, every every order that goes in. You can see the, ma the, the, the buy and sell side. So if we were actually front running, like it would be visible, people would find out um, and then that just wouldn't be a good, very good strategy uh, for us to do 
and yeah <laughs> um yeah i always find it funny when people bring that up because it's like that's we wouldn't even really make that much money and actually if you go on binance you can front run anyone right i mean you can just <laughs> you see a big order go and you you can front run them. that's where most of the hfts are anyway they're on the big exchanges like will be okex and binance so um the whole oh they're front running them thing is is a little bit comical because you know everybody gets even on DeFi, you get front run on uniswap right so um, i think WooTrade's one of the only places that excludes hfts um, even even the own HFTs, this is a funny thing that most people don't know. We have like HFT strategies that try to trade on WooTrade um, and we put like a rate limit on them so they wouldn't be able to be too aggressive. Um, and, and so, yeah, we exclude the, HF, the HFT flow, which tends to be very what we call toxic, which means that the market maker will lose money on it. Um, and what that allows us to do is make the spreads a lot tighter. So the buy and the sell side become very, very close. So it becomes like a... Uh, a very efficient market. And that's because we exclude HFT flow. So it's actually the opposite of what a lot of people think is going to happen. But then, yeah, each month around the ninth or 10th, we calculate the revenue and then we burn 50, we buy back 50% of the tokens and then we burn them. And uh, that was just simply a part of the tokenomic model at the beginning, which is as our supply is, um, you know, unlocking, we're incentivizing people, whether it's through uh, staking, or whether it's through uh, uh, rebates to to take part in the ecosystem, um, and then we're burning back more aggressively than we're unlocking. I mean, that was always kind of the strategy, and that's what we're doing. So, yeah, thank you for uh, going into that. So, like, in, in your guys' opinion, um, you know, I I'll admit, like, I, I'm not super knowledgeable about Woo um, or just kind of like how that relationship works with like DeFi. But mm -hmm. generally speaking, like, do you guys kind of view this solution as like a niche solution where it's like a winner takes all to where, you know, like a lot of it's like Chainlink, for example, like the Oracle, um, like having an Oracle solution, it's kind of like there's really only room for one. Um, and Carter, you kind of like touched on this maybe a little bit about the like liquidity itself. So as the snowball grows and grows and grows, it just kind of become this like own self-fulfilling prophecy where there's really kind of only room for like one king. Yeah, well, I mean, when it comes to the winner take all, you know, kind of idea in crypto as a whole, I mean, I think for anything, I think that long term, I don't think it makes that much sense. Because even if you look at technology in any kind of dominant technology company, I can't name one industry where there's one player that just dominates. So I guess you could say Facebook and social media, but even then TikTok and Twitter are huge as well. So I wouldn't I would expect the same kind of phenomenon to carry over into crypto and DeFi too. So when it comes to liquidity, right now Woo Trade has a has a first mover advantage. So in terms of people that are aggregating across numerous CFI exchanges and DeFi exchanges cross chain currently live with their depth level or even close, there's no one. So you can expect that that kind of trend will continue. And as Woo grows and they become, you know, say a very very large exchange doing billions of dollars in volume on a regular basis that they would have a dominance in terms of flow but in terms of like a monopoly forever i don't think it makes that much sense because if you have a large liquidity network and it's truly global you're likely to have multiple pools because different pools serve different purposes so if you're trading and you want zero fees and you care about the kind of strategies and what woo offers it makes sense to use woo trade but if you're someone who's just trying to get yield and there's another global pool, and it also serves traders as well as farmers, then it may, use, may make more sense to use that kind of pool. 
So it really just depends on what the strategy is. But in terms of a winner-take-all thesis, I think that naturally, Wu is going to have an outsized market share because they're first, they have the most connections. Not to mention, it's not easy to replicate the kind of team that Wu has. So you can make a zero-fee exchange. There are plenty of them. You can make DeFi pools, and you can also integrate with other DeFi protocols. But if you don't have a market maker that does $10 billion a day in volume that can make your exchange immediately liquid, then you're naturally at a huge, huge competitive disadvantage. And that's one of the reasons that I invested in FTT back when it was like a $30 million market cap because I saw Alameda behind it. I was seeing how much volume they're doing. They're on the BitMEX leaderboard, and it makes a lot of sense that they can make a liquid exchange. Now, here we are three years later, and FTX is huge. So it takes time for these kind of long-term theses to play out. But I do think that Wu will have a high level of dominance and that anyone who does come on board and try to compete has a massive uphill battle. But let's say you assume that in five years from now, there's multiple exchanges that are live that are similar to WuX, and also assume that those exchanges have that are very liquid as well. They may be liquid, they may have similar offerings, but once again, if they don't have a large market-making team behind them, and they don't have years of relationships and history and institutional adoption, and also a community that's going to foster that adoption, then it'll be very hard for them to flip Wu. And um, that's pretty much my bullet thesis on Wu in terms of liquidity and why they have such a head start over everyone and likely will continue to have such one. Yeah, Carter, I could jump in on that as well. I mean, you hit most of the main points. Um, I would say that like every exchange is very bad at trading and all the, they all want to be traders and every <laughs> trader is very bad at being an exchange and they all want to be exchanged. And we, so we see, we see both sides of this. The traders want to be exchanges and the exchanges want to be traders. Um, but it takes a very, you know, specific skill set to be able to do both of those different things. And most of them aren't very good at it. Like, well, Alameda is one that crossed over and did it very successfully with FTX. Um, but from what we're seeing, like the ones that succeed are usually the ones that work with uh, people on the other side. And we, you know, we, we know there are a few players in the space, not in the crypto space that people know about. I mean, it would take a very sophisticated team to do what we're doing on the trading side. Like it's not something that anyone can replicate. So that's one of our biggest moats. I think there's a few players who could, could compete with us mostly from the tr traditional finance if they decide to move over, but for whatever reason, um, they don't seem to be doing that. Uh, well, probably because of the risk, the risks of doing so um, and the fact that they're already very profitable in their own space. So it doesn't make sense to kind of diversify their business model. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're doing a lot of things to to prevent, uh, to, I guess, to make us more future proof. I mean, we're, we're definitely working with bigger institutions to really strengthen that side. Um, we're expanding very quickly. Um, and, and as of now, like I can say, I don't think there's any competitor to woo. Um, and if there was, for example, like a pool that, that became very competitive, like Carter kind of touched on, I mean, that's just something, another liquidity source that we could aggregate from and we could work together. So there's a lot of ways for this to succeed um, and very few ways that it would fail from like a competition sense. So, you know, we're pretty, we're pretty confident, pretty bullish on that side. Yeah. And because what I like about Wu as well is, is that it's very collaborative. So you guys have a partnership with Link as well as API3. And there's room for synergies across the entire space as a whole. It just depends on what the end user is looking for. And also 
how they're going to interact with Wu. So if someone is on banker protocol and that's the only thing that they ever do with Wu is put it in their in their pools and kind of let it sit, compared to another um, exchanger who may strictly use Solana or Wu X, they're gonna have very different experiences. So I think that by incorporating and collaborating with so many different parties, you have a holistic experience where people can have higher yields, lower yields, trading strategies that they can delegate their tokens to, they can trade on their own, they have no fees. It's just, it's an entire ecosystem instead of just someone else launching an exchange and then having zero fees because in the long run, zero fees won't be that huge because I think that all of the fees in crypto will naturally compress and go towards zero inevitably because you've seen the same thing happen in the brokerage space, even in traditional finance with Robinhood in particular accelerating that kind of trend. And you see Schwab and everyone else dropping very low or going free as well. And um, yeah, I think that in terms of like competitive advantage when it comes to Woo, if you are trying to replicate what they're doing and you have the technical ability too, it's not like it's very simple to just come in the space, even as a large player and just integrate with every exchange. Like it's not something that would take six months to do. Like if you assume that Woo becomes extremely successful, has Binance, FTX, Coinbase, Huobi, all these large players on board, even having a name that carries a lot of weight, it's not as simple to, <laughs> to integrate with all these exchanges. It'd be very difficult technically. And you have to have knowledge of crypto as well. So you'd have to have not only good traders, but also a very experienced crypto team who understands this kind of technology natively. And that's extremely hard to get in this kind of climate anyways, because they're expensive. So that's kind of what I think too, in terms of remote. 100%. Um, kind of going from that, I know that the Wu token itself has like, a, like four main critical functions, uh, collateral, mining, staking and payment um but i also know that there's a governance uh within the woo token could you touch on that ben yeah sure i mean it's in our best interest to be decentralized because from a, like a legal standpoint obviously um it's it's just a lot easier if you're like a DAO, and um you know we want we want people to feel more welcome in our ecosystem right whether you're a retail trader you're a institution or you're like an exchange we want everyone to get like a piece of the the ecosystem that's their own and then feel kind of ownership and then that just makes them a better partner right because they're they're motivated to to do work for the best interest of the entire ecosystem so um the plan is to to decentralize uh, a lot of the main features but it's it's kind of complex now when we're at this early stage because you know some things we're not really sure how they should be ourselves so maybe opening it up to the community too soon would be uh, would would stunt the growth a little bit if you know we because these things you have to kind of figure out as they go, um, and then once we figure out what we want to decentralize, we're we're definitely going to have you know that sort of DAO-like structure where you know we have forums, uh, we have voting, um, and we have you know rewards from for doing things like that, and. Uh, I'm not sure exactly when that's going to happen. Uh, we just onboarded somebody who's like leading our DeFi team. Um, can't really talk about who it is yet because they haven't announced it, but um, working on getting that um, more structured um, from a from like a product standpoint and then from just like the, the complete tokenomic side of it as well. Awesome. Um... That's, those were some of the top questions I had. Um, you too, super. Um, 
I know if you guys had any questions and or if you guys want to like open it up to where I see there's a lot of Woo community members, so maybe uh, some people in chat maybe have some questions. Yeah, yeah, no, I definitely, uh, I definitely think we should bring people on from the crowd if they have any questions. There's a lot of people listening to this. I just checked. I didn't realize the base space yeah. was disbased. Yeah, I've been, I've been spreading it around in like pretty much every chat I'm in, so <laughs> it's pretty good. Oh yeah, we appreciate it. They're, they're just here for your alpha drop, Ben. <laughs> not, not the base base. <laughs> no, How's it going, Nate? Kidding. Oh, is Mike yeah. muted? What up, Op Only? How's the grind going? Real, real good. I, I'm sorry I'm late. I'm just getting home from a, a wedding, and uh, I, I hope I, you guys didn't cover this already. But two part question for uh, the team. I guess Ben and, and, and maybe Carter can speak to this too, not sure, but just really hasn't been talked about a lot, but the derivatives market um, seems really interesting to me. I know Ben uh, has been on some other chats and pods talking about derivatives, but how, how that plays in, and I guess it goes hand in hand with the, the Woo Ventures. I uh, find that really interesting. Uh, so if you could just, if you hopefully haven't spoken about those two yet, just talk a little bit about those. Yeah, I hope the wedding was good. I saw that menu. I was a little bit skeptical. Uh, <laughs> the, the pickled watermelon didn't, didn't, I'm not sure how that went, but. Surprisingly tasty, man. <laughs> okay, <laughs> nice. Yeah, I, I should clarify, like, obviously my role with the team, um, it's more on the marketing side and like the business development side of DeFi. Right. So I'm usually helping interact between different protocols, um, but I'm not actually on like the UX side, which is it's more of a product team that's developing. Um, they're based out of Taiwan. Um, obviously, I work very closely with them and support them. But in terms of, uh, you know, I, I'm probably not the best person to speak for them, basically. Um, but I know that the perps platform, like the future of perpetual swaps, that's supposed to be out late July or early August. Um, the product manager is going to kill me if I put like an exact date on there because they're trying their best to get everything out. Um, but yeah, that's like for the derivatives and CFI, that's something that we're doing. And then the DeFi, like, well, definitely things like leverage swaps is something like, cause as traders, we're always trying to take on um, minimal risk, um, but you know, the most amount of capital. Um, and, and like one of the ways that they do that is through le uh, leverage. And so we're looking at a lot of different things like this in DeFi. WooVentures invested in the Sin Futures, which is a very strong team. Um, Sin Futures, like they're tied to like, you know, in China, Bitmain, uh, to make all the mining uh, supplies and mining pools. Um, so they have a, they, that's a very strong team. Um, and they're, um, yeah, they're doing things like that on chain. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Uh, we're, I mean, we're also working with people like DYDX. Um, we're trading there actively. It's actually Kronos Research who trades on DYDX, but then they hedge on WooTrade. So it's like WooTrade, the network captures flow uh, indirectly from DYDX. So that's another interesting one. And, but yeah, I mean, the, the derivatives market is going to keep exploding um, as more sophisticated players join the space because that tends to be you know where they trade and you know not just like us going 125x long on bitcoin uh, which is fun um, but that's probably not the the potential for the space so, so i guess hopefully that answers your question 
Absolutely. I, I appreciate it. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for coming on, A. Uh, if anyone else has questions for Ben or Carter, feel free to request. We'll let you guys on one at a time. Yeah, just to uh, fill some some airtime, I was looking at the uh, the live paper that you guys have. I, mean, I, I don't think we had touched on this like in specifics, but um, Carter, and I think you had specifically addressed the efficiency um, that Wu brings. But could you guys kind of talk on the like trading costs saved? from like these like large wells on like just like oh, how valuable yeah, uh, a solution like woo is to people that have these like deep pockets are in trading a lot. Yeah. So, um, I, I can definitely hop on that one. So I guess just for context, so if you're someone who's trading a lot, but you're not trading FHFT, you just trade a ton. So like, you know, like Kaleo, he trades billions of dollars per month, but he still like clicks to trade, for example, like, if you're thinking about over the course of a year and you're not having to pay any fees, even if you're having market orders, that's an immense cost savings. So when I was looking at the WooTrade order book, when I put out my tweet the other day, showing that if you look at BTC USD and you compare it to Bitfinex, Quobi, Coinbase, and all the other top exchanges, Woo was pretty much more liquid than all of them, except for, you know, Binance and then FTX, like the, the mega ones, OKEx as well. Um, so, yeah, with that being said, someone like myself, I think in May, I paid somewhere around half a million dollars just in fees alone, just for like market orders and things like that. So had I been trading on WooX, obviously I would have saved at least half a million dollars, right? And then compounded over the course of a year, you have, you know, immense cost savings, even if you're a casual trader. Um, I guess a good example is I have someone that signed up underneath me as a referral, someone that I know personally, and he exclusively uses market orders. And every month, I get $3,000 from him just in fees. <laughs> so, and then of course the exchange is making four times that. So the exchange makes nine K he pays me three. And, but if he was using WooX, he'd pay zero. So he would literally be able to pay rent, pay all this other stuff without having to go and then use any of his capital, which also means you can trade with larger size. It means that when you're entering into trades, you're going to have lower slippage because not only are the order books deeper, you have more money to trade with ultimately because you're not eating away every time you enter a market into a large trade. So I think people really underestimate how expensive that is when they use leverage. If you have $10,000 and you're 10x long and you market buy that, you're going to pay a huge fee on that. It could be $300, it could be $500 plus slippage, plus slippage as well. And if you're on WooTrade, I've noticed when I've traded BTC, USD, even casually, I don't really have any slippage, which is interesting because you would expect the opposite on a beta platform, you would expect a market order and then completely move the price on a one minute chart. But you don't see that at all. When I market order, I see less of an impact on WooTrade than I do on FTX. And I've even run my own tests privately on how liquidity works and my slippage over a hundred trades on both. And WooTrade has come out better. And I'm not even just saying that, it's just objectively better. And you can look at the order books yourself and independently verify that too. So cost savings, huge. It would definitely save me a ton of money. And then even casual traders, all you have to do to have zero fee trading is stake 300 Woo. So right now it's $300. That's it. And you could have zero free trades forever. And of course, if you're staking thousands of dollars in Woo, then not only will you have zero fee trades, you'll also be getting yield. So it could be 12, 14, 20% yields. And 
if you only want to stake portion of your stack on the exchange, you can stake some there. You can stake some on Banker. You can stake some on Huobi EcoChain. There's a tons of variety and there's ways to get yield and also save money and fees and have it as flexible as you want. It depends on what you're looking for. But from a pure trading perspective, yeah, I mean, in my case, probably millions. That is incredibly base. <laughs> and uh, I appreciate the uh, transparency because like, yeah, I, you know, it's just a solution. You know, when you, when we look at these new financial products that are being created in front of our eyes and this like old system, it's just not something that you would have had access to. But in this like new world, these new financial products are being built out. I, even as like a smaller fish in the, in the pond, if you will, like you're, you're still finding a ton of value and getting that same like uh, cost savings, you know? So that's, uh, that's awesome. I thought I was the only guy who just market bought every time because I don't have the patience for trading, but I see your friend also does that. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't like just sitting and waiting for my limits to fill. Hey, uh, we brought on another guest from the audience. How's it going, Vincent? Hey, pretty good, guys. Thank you. Um, yeah, so I just started looking into liquidity probably like a month and a half ago, so this might be a low-level question. Um, but so see in the news, you know, Galaxy Digital and Goldman Sachs, they're being used as liquidity providers. How would Woo interact with this space? Would the goal be... For Goldman to use Woo directly as a liquidity provider, do you integrate in some way, or how would that look? Oh, that's a very difficult question. Thanks for the question, by the way, Vincent. Um, good to talk to you. I guess we had interacted on Twitter a few times. Um, but yeah, I mean, what Goldman does in this space is is very complex. They have a lot of different business models. Um, I think at a very basic level. I think Goldman would just want to be become more active in this space and and get a piece of certain um, different like products and, and that's kind of what Galaxy Digital is doing. Like if you look at what Galaxy Digital has done over the last six months, they've purchased a lot of different companies or invested in a lot of different companies and different verticals. Like they they bought Bitgo, which is one of the biggest custodians in the space. Um, and, and then they can use like a custodian to kind of build their own products around that. So, so I would see Goldman doing something similar where they would want businesses that they either invested in or they own directly in different places in the industry. So then when their, their clients their, who, who invest money with them, uh, you know, need a service, then they can provide something that they can manage the risk a little bit better um, and, and obviously capture more value from it. So that's kind of what I would see them, them doing. Um, yeah, in terms of, you know, managing people's money, earning yield, I mean, that would probably be the priority for, for any sort of Goldman Sachs client, um, or, or even like a galaxy digital client, right? They want to earn yield on their funds, in a low risk environment. Gotcha. Thank you very much. And shout out yeah. crypto hundred gone for getting me in here. <laughs> yeah. I think half the people in the room are probably learned about Wu through him. So. Good, good shout out. Awesome. Have a good night, guys. Appreciate Thanks for coming on, on too, Vincent. Thank you. Great question. Yeah. Just a, one more thing on that. I think liquidity, most people realize is liquidity is just capital that is put into the space because people want to earn yield. 
on it, right? So when it enters from like an institution or even like Cronus Research, like the they're finding ways to put the money, the capital to work um, in different ways. So I think that's that's what we see like on Uniswap V3 is a lot of people are trying to be earn the highest yield possible um, on their capital. And, and so, yeah, it's, it's kind of like a big competition for people to find ways to lower the risk, but earn the most yield. Yeah, and that's something that I also kind of mentioned earlier too. If you, like say you're American, you don't have access to offshore exchanges for whatever reason, then of course you can stake your coins in a various different DeFi protocols. So like Huobi, Hiko Chain, that's one. You can have banker pools. They open up pretty much daily and you can put, you know, pretty significant amount of money in there too. And naturally, as the Wu ecosystem expands, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw the same sort of things on Solana or Ethereum and other chains as well. Binance Smart Chain too, that's another one that's pretty popular. Um, but yeah, I think that really it's it's a matter of how you view yourself in terms of activity. So if you're someone who purely just wants to get on the beta and only stake, I think you should look into seeing if you can do that now because you, technically you wouldn't have to wait until the beta to do that. You can look at the alternatives that are currently out there and you can stake your coins immediately as soon as space is available. And you can get relatively high APYs too. They're all over 20%. So even passively with a relatively low risk, I think it's a great APY. Yeah, I think the banker one's going to have a co-investment proposal, which will take three days. And then they would put like another, I think, million dollars with the BNT uh, into the pool that will open up some space. Uh, there's also, right, I think Pancake Swap uh, enabled the, the Woo BNB, like they're putting cake rewards. So you can earn cake if you have BNB and Woo, which is actually an interesting hedge. Like if you're looking at things that you want to have exposure to, if you want to have exposure to like exchange platforms and like BNB and Woo are an interesting combination. Um, so that's also an option available for people in DeFi. Yeah, and then also, um, I would just say, however you normally access exchanges, I think that there's a lot of different opportunities out there. Just, you know, use your brain. 100%. William, thanks for coming on and uh, asking Ben and Carter the question. What's going on, Sandit? Yeah, good. How's it going, Ben? How you, how you doing? Hey, Sandip. I didn't realize you are on Twitter as well. Yeah, I'm everywhere. I, well, I just wanted to say thanks for your help on Discord and uh, Telegram as well. It's been really helpful. So I've just been, been loving all that. Uh, my question was, kind of, where, where do you see the best yield at the moment? Because I've got a lot of funds on Bancor. Um, I'm thinking when I get the get into the WUX, the open beta, is that going to be a better yield? I think the banker one will be a better yield um, because okay. especially when the volumes are high, like when there's volatility in the market, and the, volat the volumes are high. It's it was spiking up to like 30 or 40 percent at times. Yeah. Um, I think usually it's between like 10 to 20 percent. Um, but I think for most people that that's going to be much higher than on, on the WEX um, as well. OK, that's great. Thanks for answering. Yeah. Yeah, and I think there's constantly going to be things opening up, like the the pancake swap one. So, like if you're very active and you follow it closely, like yeah. I think if you move into like the pancake one, then that one will be very high, um, and then there might be other opportunities after that as well. Yeah, but what I, what I put um, the alert on on the bank or mm -hmm. pool, and basically yesterday I was on the train, right, and the alert, and I got the email, 
and uh, I quickly went in and got and got all my funds in, which is <laughs> which is crazy, really. I think on the weekend, mm. no one was at the trading about the computer, so I was really lucky with that. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a lot it's of people getting the alerts. So like whenever that goes off, there's always like this big race to get it. Yeah, it's crazy. I got all of mine on one go. Yeah, it missed the first two times and then the third time, kind of like your story. I just ran on there on my phone and got it all on. There. Yeah, and it's good because it's all like you can do it all on your phone as well. You just don't need a laptop or anything. Yeah, and uh, doing it through MetaMask on your phone is actually uh, surprisingly easy too. Um, like, because the browser kind of just stays open, so you don't have to like go type in app.bank.com or Blue Trade. Or yeah, because yeah, because just recently Trust Wallet just discontinued their in-app um, explorer, so I, then I moved everything over to um, MetaMask. They've still got theirs, so yeah. But yeah, thanks a lot. Anyway, thanks Ben. Keep it up. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Cheers. Thanks, man. We appreciate you. What's going on, little link gatherer? Yo, what's going on? <laughs> um, well, now I'm little woo gatherer. But uh, <laughs> Rand dropped a little bit of a teaser of an airdrop, and you guys had mentioned Sin Futures before. Um, so if you guys, do you guys have any information on the airdrop, like, Obviously, it's for people who hold Woo. Would that be staked on like Bancor, WooX? How exactly would that work if you guys were allowed to say or anything like that? Yeah, you probably need to go bug George in the Telegram channel uh, <laughs> because he's the one who's supposed to like be uh, giving this information out. Um, and, and, and he's part of like the Woo Ventures team. He's like a DeFi analyst. So they're the ones who will decide kind of how this gets... Uh, dispersed uh, I mean definitely like WooX would be a, a, a good bet um, I would like to see it go out through DeFi as well but I don't know how exactly they're going to do it to be honest with you yeah that's fair I just have all my Woo on Bancor right now so I was wondering if I should shift it over to WooX eventually or what I should do but uh, I'll pry around for some more answers Mm-hmm. yeah I mean the goal is for like these Woo Ventures investments to just start stacking up. So there's like always something that's like going on, but then like they'll, they'll probably change the way it's dispersed so that it's makes the most sense. Cause like we're really not sure how the platform is going to look, you know, a year from now. Um, so there'll be some playing around with that, but just be active in our community and let us know what you think. Um, and cause that all that information gets brought back and, and we, you know, include that in our dis discussions and decision-making. Awesome. Thanks so much. Appreciate it thanks for coming on man we appreciate you hey brother you're back sorry guys i don't want to hog the time but i just popped up to me too you know um speaking about the yield farming and and i know ben has talked about it before and i just i thought the i can't word it but the last time you worded it talking about how we don't want to be just a big farm because it it, it as token holders, you know, paying these huge yields, it actually inflates the token. We would rather have other DeFi protocols like Bancor be the farming solution, paying out Bancor tokens instead of Woo tokens, correct? I mean, that's that's the team philosophy and the idea behind the tokenomics. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. There's two ways that, you know, to make you like, we talked about that earlier. And obviously, like printing tokens is not a great way. Um, and everybody kind of wants it for the short term, people who are only in it to just like farm and dump. Um, but for the people who are long term, it doesn't make a lot of sense. So, but then you have to strike a balance between being attractive to people who aren't, you know, big fans uh, and then the people who are. Uh, but we're very good at creating yield from trading because we're traders, right? So um, there's going to be a lot of ways to to capture yield. I'm not worried at all about this. I think one year from now, people aren't going to be like complaining about a lack of yield sources because it's going to be, you know, everywhere on CFI and DeFi. Um, so, so yeah, that'll be one. And, yeah, and like with Banker, it's not specifically that we want people to farm them. We want people to put liquidity on the protocol so that they get more trade volume because when Things like one-inch route orders, they look for the best liquidity, which provides the best price. So we want Bancor to be successful, and we want Wu holders to contribute liquidity to that. Um, and then it's like a win-win situation. Yeah, I think a lot of people really struggle with <laughs> that in the space, that there can be these mutual relationships. And, and so most are thinking we have to be that first mover competitive, like our, our link friends. Um, but there is room in this space for these mutual beneficial relationships across CFI and DeFi. And I guess so many non-Woo believers don't can't grasp that kind of the bridge aspect of the project. Right. Yeah, and it's actually kind of interesting to me because when you think about how people view crypto, crypto as a whole, it's very tribalistic. And a lot of it has to do with I would say Western culture as a whole. I mean, you know, obviously I'm from the States. So like in the States, everything's pretty much geared around sports. It's very black and white, like this team, that team wins left and right. You have Republicans, you have Democrats, everything's very clear cut. So when you have crypto, it's very easy to reduce everything to, well, Bitcoin's the best crypto, everything's a scam. Or Ethereum is gonna be the number one chain forever. Everything else is just like a, a total like shit coin for lack of a better word. But I think when it comes to something like, like Woo, I mean, when you're thinking of how networks come together and how networks scale, they always scale through mutualistic relationships. So there's no way that Woo can become this super dominant, multi-billion dollar liquidity protocol if they're not collaborating with, like, let's say, Link and Huobi and Bancor and all these other DeFi protocols and then working with other teams so they can figure out how they can add value and also how they can receive value in return. Because when you're getting to the scale of, let's say, you know, multi-billion dollar pools, which you don't really see too often in crypto, but over the years, I think it'll be pretty common to see five, $10 billion pools. And you'll see them very, very high as well on trading platforms, particularly if they're going to be involving trading firms like Kronos, because that flow from that large pool, if it's $3 billion, a portion of it or a lot of it's going to come back on the Wu Trade platform. You can expect that that would be on some kind of decentralized protocol and there'd be a relationship there as well. So I think that a winner takes all approach is just kind of, um, I don't think it's very congruent to how society tends to work, but it's something that's common that you see in the West. And I think that as crypto progresses and it becomes inevitably clear that this is how large scale systems work, that I think it'll be pretty, um, Pretty, pretty clear that Wu is going to have a lot of relationships. And that also is an advantage because if, you, if you've been working with these teams for, let's say, four or five years, you're listed on exchanges, you've, give, you've made them tons of money, you brought numerous members in their community and added a lot of value. 
naturally, they're going to be willing to do more for you. So if that protocol grows and becomes more dominant, even more dominant than people expected, then Wu already has a relationship there. So I would find, I would expect to find that there's small protocols now that Wu is building relationships with that have the potential to go 10x or 100x in size, not price, but in size. And that Wu will have a very, very early relationship that's meaningful there. And that puts Wu in a competitive um, position. Thanks for the question, A. We appreciate you, man. While we, uh, I don't know if we have another speaker yeah. on this. Yeah, we got Hawk. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'll, uh, I'll ask after. Go ahead, Hawk. Yep. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, my question is uh, regarding the upcoming uh, DEXs that's on uh, working on layer two solutions like uh, mute switch DEX and uh, StakeNet uh, DEX. They are also planning to integrate uh, from uh, different exchanges, but on a layer two level, right? So what uh, what is the plan for uh, Utrade to collaborate with them? Because if most of the uh, uh, trade level goes to level two, layer two layer solutions are we planning to work on that level as well what are the pla plans thank you guys for the answer yeah thanks hawk uh the, it's not 100 percent clear right now but i mean all these layer two suffers from like a lack of liquidity and a lack of bridges they need on ramps and off ramps and so centralized exchanges are perfect for that because people buy tokens and then they can withdraw directly to the to that layer two right so like we're already working with Polygon. Um, they're very, those guys are very sharp and they're keen to get us um, supporting liquidity, both from like a trading side, but also from a bridging side. So yeah, there's a lot of opportunities there. Uh, some challenges as well, obviously, because a lot of like layer two, they'll have like their own tokens that exist like only on this layer two. Um, you see that a lot like on PancakeSwap where you have a lot of like BSC specific tokens. So then it becomes difficult for us to aggregate and trade those. Um, but for a lot of the main assets, uh, it's very easy to do. Uh, and um, yeah, I mean, layer twos are perfect for us because it's like fragmenting liquidity and then it's kind of our job to like bring it back together. Yeah, because uh, users will be more uh, safe, feeling safer to have it in their own um, wallets, right? Because layer two uh, DEX provides the safety of holding their own keys. But how does who, who trade uh, plan to do it? It will be like uh, sex, right? Uh, we'll not have the users will not have the uh, private keys for the funds invested, right? They'll have to believe on who trade the team to hold their tokens safely. Yeah, that's a big issue you touched on, and I think um, you know we're also exploring ways that we could make like WUX. You're talking about WUX specifically, uh, more decentralized, like maybe connecting to MetaMask. Like this is just more speculative at this point, but we've had discussions about this. Um, yeah, and DeFi, obviously, yeah, that would be a big advantage. But with WUX, we're specifically targeting like people who are active traders and active traders are more comfortable with this sort of exchange risk because they're, they're trading very actively um, and they, you know, build this relationship with the exchange. They kind of know who we are, um, where it's not like it's it's like WUX is not meant to be a place where you like, you know, buy your your whatever token and then just leave it there for six years and hope the price goes up that's not really what it's about um so yeah that's i guess the differences there if that answers your question hawk 
Yep, thank you so much. No, I I just want uh, oh, yeah. with so much liquidity this would also help the uh, bring in the other uh, group of people. That's it. Thanks anyways. I understood. Yeah, awesome. and I also wanted to kind of touch on that too with L2 and about like early relationships. So um there's going to be a lot of L2 solutions that are be launching pretty soon and of course in the next 6 months or so you'll start to see L2s become more liquid. So one of the advantages of woo trade is that it's chain agnostic. So if you have something that's launching and it's an L2 and let's say it's a typical defi aggregator, it may be able to integrate I mean aggregate liquidity across eth and eth L2 protocols, but when you have something like woo trade at scale, imagine if you're able to aggregate L2 protocols, say Polygon, but also combine that liquidity with Solana and then combine that liquidity with Binance Smart Chain. it just unlocks just a myriad of benefits that you know i think strongly outweigh a typical defi aggregator so that's kind of one perspective as well to think because if they are going to be liquid it's important to consider who's making relationships with these l2s early and also who's in a position to win in the defi space so for example we have dydx which is a leading defi perpetual swap um product you also have perp perpetual protocol as well So these are the two leading um like perpetual swap products in DeFi and you can see that the trend for DeFi per volumes is parabolic. It actually looks a lot like the growth in TVLs during DeFi summer last year. So knowing that Wu has relationships with, you know, some of these upcoming DeFi um, protocols, when futures volumes really take off, they're going to capture a lot of that and I would anticipate that over the next few years you'll probably see DeFi perp volumes start to compete on par with most centralized exchanges and in the long run they would flip it because if you can trade non-custodially from your wallet and you can long short bitcoin with 10 million dollars with no slippage and you can do it on a liquidity protocol that's agnostic like WooTrade that's connected to a huge source of liquidity then I mean the benefits are just massive there and it's not saying that it'll necessarily happen but I think these types of applications will be possible in the future and with wu forming relationships with these people now it just kind of shows you where they're going to head to in the future specifically in l2 and perpetual swap defi products yeah 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 definitely want to add <clears throat> sorry um one thing under that sorry i got all choked up listening to carter there um but um tears of tears of joy <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're kind of like the holy trinity for like a defi protocol because we have liquidity which is huge we have the traders through chronos research which is like the user side so you have the liquidity of the user and now we have this awesome community um so we can spread awareness so when like new protocols come up like we're very attractive to them as a partner um and we want to keep it that way we want to be like you know we love it when we can actually provide a value to to projects we work with as opposed to just you know doing some sort of marketing announcement right so yeah that's um that's a trend i think we'll see going on in the future yeah i mean honestly if you want an alpha leak just google defi perpetual volume and just look at it month over month over month it's literally like the epitome of parabolic exponential growth and it's only going to continue and with wu partnered with somebody like dydx which has no token by the way yet no Yeah, yet <laughs> it has no token. So you know, I mean, there's going to be airdrops rewarded to Wu stakers. You know, imagine what if? Not saying it is going to happen, but what if 
you're a staking woo and one day you wake up and you have a dydx token drop for staking woo i mean these kind of things would be possible and then also woo is incentivized to help dydx become even more dominant in the space because they want liquidity woo wants liquidity so if they team up then you know obviously the opportunities are massive so that's how i how i view and um like the DeFi sector progressing because everyone's kind of gone past the large TVL phase. It starts off with APY mania, then it becomes like a TVL like battle of whoever can have the most money just sitting there in a huge pool not really doing anything. And then I think next we're going to see trading and you're going to see trading become super big, zero fee, instant trading across chains in DeFi, non-custodially. And I think that Wu is extremely well positioned to take advantage of that emerging trend. Yeah, I think I saw Crypto Hunter gone is now a speaker. Uh oh. Can you guys hear me all right? <laughs> we can. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, sorry if I sound kind of nervous. I hate public speaking, and it's going to be kind of a touchy question. But um, a lot of us here remember Wu going to basically zero on the platform <laughs> and um wasn't a big deal the team came in handled it uh, professionally and i guess i don't quite remember i guess rolled it back or something but i'm personally keeping a lot of my funds pretty much all my stack on Boncor, and i'm curious if the team has discussions or um plans for what to do if something like that like Boncor, polygon bsc gets exploited because i got you know guys tell me hey you know i really want to get some yield i'm not in the beta or i'm looking for you know i'm a u.s customer i can't access that but i don't want to risk losing my woo coins and i basically tell them well hey you know but Boncor, sushi swap uniswap if, if those get exploited you know DeFi's boned anyways which is kind of not the answer <laughs> i want to give it's just kind of my thoughts you know that's kind of how i go about it like if Boncor gets exploited i mean the kind of exploit that's gonna you know exploit it is probably something that can be done on many of these platforms because they've all been audited and whatnot so if it's some big exploit it's probably going to be massive so i'm curious you know since on wuex you guys can just kind of have a lot of control over that but something like Boncor, is it like oh that's up the Boncor, or oh like you know whoa we i have no idea you know you guys thought about that much yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's a risk with DeFi. I, I like how colorfully you put it about yeah, DeFi yeah, price bones. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah. By the way, it's also pronounced Bank Core. Is it really Bancor, not? Is it really but, not Bancor? Yeah, it's really not. I, I I used to pronounce it Bancor, like, but then I was talking to them recently, and it's more like Bancor. Duly noted. That's yeah. The, yeah. Very common. Yeah, say, say it very elegantly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, if yeah uniswap or something like that it seems very unlikely that something like uniswap would have an exploit because there's billions of dollars there basically as a, a hacker bounty for anyone who can figure it out and they haven't yet um uh, the smart contracts for uniswap are really simple which makes it very difficult to exploit it's the more complex ones that start to get exploited a lot when they try to do too many things um so yeah i mean there's, yeah, there's not a whole lot that we can say about that. I mean, obviously, when you invest in DeFi, you're taking some risks. When you invest in anything, you're taking some risks. And that's the exploit hack risk is something that's there. But I think if you diversify a little bit, that might help. Um, 
but yeah, yeah I think that that's pretty yeah. that's um really important to diversification because if you look at um like the Twitter account like crypto yield he's like king of yield farming he always talks about spreading risk across multiple different attack vectors so you may have some funds on um like Bancor you may have some on Luex you may just have some sitting in your wallet um like me I have like a large large portion of my stack on Huobi but then I also have some on Wuex on on two different accounts so it's like it's just a matter of like splitting things up as much as possible and also looking at how the people you're storing your money with handle custody so i know that Wu, for example they have their funds with kobo custody which also handles custody for a lot of large exchanges in the east you know in asia so if you look at the history of crypto you can see these large-scale exchange hacks that have occurred but typically, they've occurred because of the exchanges themselves, not because of the custodian. You know, from my research, I don't think there's been an, a custodian, like a pure custodian that's gotten hacked. It's always an exchange that's holding their money, that has a cold wallet, that, you know, some kind of internal procedure that gets compromised because they're fished or an employee goes rogue. And that's that's where the main attack vector is. So when I noticed that we were storing their money at a custodian, and the majority of it is there, including in cold wallets, I think that provides me a lot of confidence. And the same thing with Huobi as well, because they don't keep very, very large hot wallets. They tend to keep it um, cold or entirely with custodians. And that's pretty, that's very important too, in terms of risk. And that's why I don't mind keeping a lot of my money on exchanges, because it's, if you're using numerous exchanges, the chances of them all getting hacked is extremely low. Right. Good stuff. Thanks, fellas. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on, Hunter. No problem. Appreciate you. Um, so seg segueing a little bit here uh, for another avenue of potential like further alpha drop. Uh, first off, I just want to say you guys are doing an awesome job. Like I'm finding like a ton of knowledge and value, and uh, a lot of these questions being asked here. Um, so when we when we like think about banks, and I'll kind of be a roundabout, and then I'll get to the question. But banks, right? Like we we give money to the banks, we're giving liquidity to the banks, and then they turn around and maybe give us you know, 0.01%, 0.1% interest for giving them liquidity. And then they turn around and use the liquidity, the liquidity that we give them to maybe loan out first my for a house payment, maybe at like 4% interest, 3% interest, or like a car payment, maybe like 5%, who knows, like so on, so on, right? Um, and so as the liquidity pool deepens, the more that they can actually lend out. So what's the plan for Wu? Because I know lending is also in the uh, the roadmap for Wu. So I was just curious if you guys can kind of paint the picture of that uh, path of revenue. Yeah. Okay. Um, like I, we wouldn't really be using the user funds to lend it out to people. Um, like Mark, who is the co-CEO, he's one of the most risk-averse people in crypto. Um, which is one of the reasons why like Cronus is very successful and they don't get wiped out. Um, but yeah, he's, he's constantly looking at this and he's constantly trying to borrow more stable coins, um, for, you know, giving to, to clients to use for like margin and everything. Um, then, then that's a huge, huge need for us is to borrow. So, um, in terms of the user funds, they're actually all with the custodian, like Carter said, it's like a third party custodian. So we don't actually have access to that to, to 
you know, screw around with. Um, so <laughs> I think, <laughs> yeah, um, I think that probably answers that question, but like, we're very big in like the borrowing space. We're one of the biggest borrowers in the world. And that's like, we talk to protocols like Aave to see how we can, to borrow and DeFi um, where it's more readily accessible. Um, yeah, that's just a little side story, I guess. So I guess maybe I'm misunderstanding the light paper, um, but it talks about lending being like a revenue source for Woo. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. 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 Sorry, I wasn't. I wasn't uh, just to clarify. I'm not saying you know you guys are gonna start giving out credit card loans and car payment loans to people. Is more just kind of <laughs> paint the picture of the power of capital liquidity. Yeah, yeah. And how you can shape uh, further, like you know, financial products around that. So. I hope that. Yeah, like honestly, the way that I interpreted that is similar to normal exchanges. So, like on FTX, like when we had a lot of volatility about a month or two ago, like I was lending out like USD, and then I think the yields were like 40, 80, maybe like I think they hit a hundred percent during like some crazy time. So when I when I saw that they're gonna have lending as a revenue stream, to me that means once they have um, perpetual swaps, futures, active. Of course, you'll have to pay fees for funding and then lending, of course, natively built into the exchange. They'll probably be taking a percentage of money when it comes to lending as well. That That's how I interpreted the light paper, because that's how typical exchanges make money from lending. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple of ways I would add on as well. Like, obviously, like our institutional clients, they they calculate the risk into their. So they'll actually prefer to borrow money to use on the exchange rather than deposit their own money. And that's. and a higher return than the interest rate that it makes sense for them to do it. So those people will pay interest, um, which goes to the revenue, which goes to the burn. Um, also, we have like the woo, like staking for institutionals. Some are actually borrowing woo, um, and then they're paying interest in woo, which goes back to the treasury account, uh, which is an interesting use case. Um, and then finally, yeah, like, I think what Carter touched on is more like a P2P type situation, where if you have excess funds on the exchange, you can allocate them for to be lent borrowed by other users who who want to borrow to trade um so yeah that's the other one yeah i think that's a pretty big deal too because something a lot of people don't take into consideration is how many people well for one how easy it is to game common metrics that people use like for example let's say shorts so so i saw like during the run-up from let's say i guess like 25k to about 40k or so you saw shorts increasing rapidly and everyone's like wow look at all these shorts they're going to get blown out and it's funny because like i'll talk with like other professional traders and you know people who actually just like understand arbitrage and like how people profit from like um like carry trades people aren't actually net short like what they'll do is they'll say like say they deposit 10 million dollars on binance then they'll just short $10 million in BTC when funding is super high. So now you're getting paid like half a percent per day just to be, you know, hedged on BTC. You're effectively holding cash because you're long 10 million and short 10 million at the same time. And of course, during those periods of times, exchanges make a ton of money too because there's tons of volatility. So when I see lending and things like that come in the light, come up in the light paper, that's what I typically consider it to be. And, um, how it like impacts Wu, but it's going to be cool to see how Wu incorporates lending in that kind of um, dynamic because as institutions get onboarded, a lot of them don't want to trade directionally. Like I know, I know a couple traders actually who are are killing it. Like they're up tons and they don't even trade directionally. They just hedge 
and they take advantage of periods where there's extremely high positive funding or extremely low negative funding. And then once few has once Wu has futures on their pro on their software, what was it called a website? <laughs> Sorry, once Wu has futures on the website, I can see a lot of exchanges coming on board and taking advantage of that because a large number of them will be institutions or active traders who understand that kind of um, that kind of strategy. Yeah, our our trading teams are like long and short all the time. It's it's more like a, a hedge rather than like a position. Um, so yeah, when a lot of people like they see that and they're like, oh, these guys think the market's gonna crash, and it's actually not. It's actually just a way of, you know, these institutional traders managing risk. Yeah, like you saw that with Three Arrows Capital. Everyone's like, Three Arrows Capital was telling you to to buy the dip, and they're two hundred million short on Bitfinex. It's like, yeah, because for one, for one, like Suzu, he says he's never net short during a bull run, but if you have three hundred million dollars. The only way to go to cash is to is to short gradually and then slowly build up a $300 million short just to be effectively delta neutral, which means you're not bidding on the price going up or down. You're just one-to-one -one hedged. And so that's just kind of like also a tip for anyone out there, just kind of miscellaneous, who sees shorts spiking or shorts collapsing. It's not necessarily someone building a short. That's just all in $500 million trying to short Bitcoin to zero. It may just be a mega whale taking profit and simply hedging and going to cash one-to-one -one short. So pro tip there. I should uh, I should definitely brought a uh, a notepad with uh, <laughs> this is like this is some real alpha being dropped right now. So I really do appreciate this, guys. Um, I see we don't have any other speakers. Uh, ben, is there any anything big coming down the pipeline that you could share just at a high level, whether it's like product development? or uh, just anything from your end? Uh, let's see. <laughs> I feel like every week it's just like this, this new, just so many different things that happen within a week. Um, and I'm sure that probably happens in every like crypto space company because it just moves so quickly. But, you know, sitting down on a Monday morning and looking and like, okay, this is what we're going. Um, it, it just always feels like there's something big. Obviously, the, we'll see how the referral program because that's going to be people are going to be able to invite users so we should see a big spike um, in users um, and referral codes floating around on the internet um, which which will be interesting um, the DeFi side that's something that we haven't really talked about except for I always talk about it in events like this because people ask about it but we haven't actually put out any like first party content I think there's going to be a lot of different things that we're going to do there um, in terms of um, just, I guess, ways of getting more trade volume on the network um, and then making users have more utility for the Wu token. There's going to be a lot of that. Um, and then I think, I mean, that's that's for like June, July, August, this kind of period. Um, hopefully, we, yeah, I mean, hopefully we can get the Wu token more embedded. Like we're pushing it harder on BSC. Um, we're going to push it harder on Polygon. We're going to push it harder on Solana. Um, not necessarily as like uh, we just want people to be able to like buy and stake, but we want um, you know to be very close with these these parties that are building these ecosystems, um, and we build trust that way, um, and then that leads to more collaborations down the line. So everything we do um, is very strategic. Um, it's not just about like you know like I said like just trying to give your users some APY somewhere. 
Um, it's it's <laughs> exactly. more about yeah. <laughs> that, that times a thousand. Mm-hmm. That's awesome, right? Uh, right also, right, right. I, I saw some material. I'm not sure if it was like official material from like you guys that was put out, but um, I think it talked about like you guys potentially scaling towards like the Cardano uh, ecosystem. We, we're very open to that. I mean, because those kind of ecosystems, they have a huge need. Um, and they have a lot of resources and they have very strong communities, but they have like no development, right? Um, so there's a few of them like that, which like Cardano, like Algorand, like VeChain. Um, these are protocols that are trying to compete. It's like a layer one network, um, but are not at the level of an Ethereum. So uh, there's a lot of opportunities if you get in early and you become like a core part of that. Um, and then they build the ecosystem around you, right? And then you're like a irreplaceable part of their ecosystem. So like, we're very uh, optimistic that those three I mentioned, like we can do things there. Um, for Cardano, it's more waiting on them to finish like the smart contract development. And I know there's a lot of jokes about that on the Twitter space, but we're, we're yes, hoping like, they succeed. Yeah, I mean, we, we want everyone to succeed and then we're, you know, we're, we're there, right? Um, um, VeChain obviously quite close with, cause we're, we're both have offices in Shanghai. Um, so there's that as well. Yeah, so I actually have a question when it comes to you guys launching everything. So the beta for the public opens up on June 24th, and then the full mm-hmm. platform launch is the end of July. So is that when, mm-hmm. so let's say August 1st, is that when anybody can just go to like WooTrade and then just sign up and make an account? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. And that'll probably be the mobile beta version will probably be available so people will be able to download that on their phones. Um, that's, uh, that's kind of exciting. That's kind of a big thing because I know most people trade mobile these days or at least want to be able to check their positions or close their positions on, on Yeah, a I'm actually doing that right now. It would be great if you could just pass on to the team as like, I don't know, like a little comment. I can actually put in the empowering retreat chat too. When you're on mobile sometimes, like it's hard to move windows out of the way. Like I'm trying to close a position right now and I'm just like sliding tabs all over my phone. It's kind of like difficult to do. So it'd be cool if it was like, you can make it static, like lock. Like if you can lock the screen with a button, that would solve so many problems. Like there was just a lock button, but um, that's, that's just kind of random. <laughs> but I think that's a good idea too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And yeah, I think in a month all that will be solved with the mobile app. I'm seeing like all the designs and mockups. They're already building it. Um, so that's quite exciting to see that come together. Okay. Yeah, I mean, everything sounds good. I, mean, I guess as far as like my perspective on uh, what I think is the most exciting on Woo, I think what's actually most exciting isn't the immediate future. I think what's most exciting is towards the end of the year. Once Woo is live for, let's say, four or five months, and they have all these relationships that they've established, and they're becoming more fleshed out, volumes are picking back up again, Bitcoin is at all-time highs, and you have renewed interest in the entire DeFi sector as a whole. That's when, in my view, Woo is really going to shine because that's right now, you know, launching at a very quiet period, you'll see volume growth. I mean, and Woo is growing month over month at a pretty, pretty fast rate. But I don't think it's going to compare to what's going to happen if Bitcoin is $100,000, or something like that. And that's the huge stress test for Woo and any kind of new exchange. So, yeah, I'm just most excited for the end of the year. And of course, once you get social trading launched where you can stake strategies and you have a variety of different ways to earn yield, that'll be super exciting because I'd love to participate in as many ways as possible. 
Is that Carter calling Bitcoin 150k at the end of the year? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, I think Bitcoin. Like, I, I personally, like, I would sell all my BTC at 140. Like, if slash when we go to 140, I'd sell all my BTC at 140. I'd sell all my ETH if it went to 17k. And if I miss it going to 19, 20, 25, whatever you know, crazy number, that's fine. But I personally would de-risk at 140, 17, and then I would just wait three months. And I think that on a three-month time frame, I'd be willing that I I bet I could buy back cheaper at some point. It may not be significantly cheaper. We may just rip to 200k, but I think that on a three-month time frame, we'll dip. <laughs> so wow. that's kind of my strategy. And whenever that yeah. is, who knows? But that's my that's my exit strategy. No TP until 140, 17, and then woo, which is like 20, <laughs> something crazy. Ah, oh, some. Very bullish outlook. Yeah, not this year though, but you know, within the next couple of years. Awesome. Guys, I think my phone's mega bullish. here. I might have to, to jump off the chat here pretty soon. Yeah. Uh, Mia, do you want to segue into anything else? No, man, this has been hella based. I just appreciate Ben and Carter taking the time to come out. Yeah, I yeah, think no, that's I a good note to end it as well. on with, uh, with uh, Carter calling 150k Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely so. Let's do it. Well, uh, Ben, Carter, it's uh, it's been a pleasure to, to host you guys. Uh, I personally appreciate all the knowledge that you guys have dropped. I'm sure there are literally 100 plus people in chat that have... Uh, found a ton of value in the alpha that's been shared tonight. So we appreciate it. Um, super. Me too. I don't know if you guys have any uh, closing thoughts, but um, thank you guys. Thank you guys. Yeah. I just want to say thank you for uh, putting any FUD to rest. Really. If anyone had, it. I never had. It. And maybe some people were fudding and uh, <laughs> thank you guys. You guys are based. <laughs> appreciate it. Any, yes. any closing yeah. thoughts, Carter? Um, uh, my only closing thought really is that if you are someone who's done phenomenal this bull run, I think it's now's a good time to start thinking about, you know, an exit strategy ahead of time. Not like the bull run is over, but just thinking ahead of time because times like this where we're going sideways, it's very, it's very good for being rational and planning out what you want to do six months to a year from now. And also, if you're someone who hasn't done as well, like let's say you've had a lot of losses recently. I would think about what you're going to be doing differently and create a system of rules. And what helps me when I'm trading, I literally write on a post-it note what to do, what not to do. So if I'm telling myself I'm not buying Bitcoin unless we close above 40K, I don't, I don't just remember it in my head. I put it on my laptop or on my desktop and I have a sticky note there. Because when Bitcoin is 39K and is a huge green candle, it's very easy for a lot of people to just FOMO in and Twitter's bullish again and calling for 45K. And then we go back down to 33. So that's just a tip. Think about what you want to do next. Think about an exit plan. Think about prices you would want to sell at or at least take profit at now while they're cheap. Because when they're expensive, you're not going to want to take profit. <laughs> so that's a tip. That's something that I found works really well for me and also keeps me grounded and rational when things are crazy bullish or crazy bearish. So just trying to stay level-headed. And of course, best of luck to everyone out there trading, investing. And I hope you guys stick around with the Woo community. Now for my closing thoughts, I'm going to disagree with Carter. Um, I have no exit <laughs> strategy. Um, my, 
might not be the best advice, but um, yeah, I, I still think long term, not six months to a year, like Carter said. I think I think the industry is more on a five to ten years to to reach its kind of peak potential. Um, but I, it will still expand beyond that. So I'm I'm more of a long termer, and it's not even oh yeah about yeah exiting. I, I I think like I mean, when I say exit, I never mean like exit fully. Like for example, like if you were to sell January to March during 2018. You would have sold at super high prices, and then after you sold, you could have just been dollar cost averaging every month after that, and you would have had a lot more money and a lot more crypto, and you would have never left the space. And that's what actually what I was doing, except I lost a ton of money before, before I actually did that. And you know, it's kind of thinking about what to do differently the next time. But of course, I, I can never really see myself leaving crypto. I've dedicated so much of my life to it. I couldn't imagine waking up and my first thought not being, "Hey, what's the price of Bitcoin?" It's like my first thought in the morning. So. Yeah, um, just like yeah. temporarily, kind of like shorter term thinking. You guys heard him. He's going to get 150K and he's going to try to rug us all. So. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm market selling my entire portfolio at 150, so be ready. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks, guys, for the opportunity. Definitely hope that people, you know, maybe got something out of that or at least, you know, get the chance to hear that, you know, the people at WooTrade, because I know we're based in Asia, so we can be kind of distant. Um, you know, we're very active, a huge team. I think there were two new people this morning who I don't know and I need to go introduce myself to, um, which is a common trend. Um, and yeah, I mean, stay active in the community and stay very positive, um, you know, trying to get more people educated. And as Mike Novogratz always says, like, get more people in the, in the tent, um, which is kind of what we're trying to do. So yeah, thanks for having us on here, guys. And hopefully we'll talk again soon. Oh, yeah. And uh, Ben oh. and Carter, we do record these. Are you cool with us posting these online? Yeah, sure. Sweet. Everybody stay base. <laughs> All right, guys. Yeah. Have a good one. Bye.